0: welcome to another episode of Journey to the Rise. I'm your host, Lucretia. In today's episode, we talk with Paul Moore, a man who has been successful in all of his endeavors. With a passion for nature and plants, Paul found his way into the family business working as a manager at Moore & Moore Garden Center. Photography found its way into his life, and that led him into a successful career as a photographer. Nature always remained front and center for Paul, and his expertise in plants, specifically moss, has brought on new opportunities for him. Paul is a brilliant example that you can gain knowledge and education in a non-traditional way and still find great success in your life. Paul is a delight and has wonderful stories to share with us, so let's not wait any longer. Please welcome my guest. Paul Moore. I am really excited to speak with our guest today. He is all things outdoors. He's knowledge beyond and filled with wisdom and just having a conversation with him is always the most delightful thing ever. And I am so excited to dive in and talk with him. Paul, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh, LaCrescia, it's so wonderful to be here and to catch up with you.
0: I'm so excited. So I just want to kind of like kick it right off. Like, where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in uh, rural, rural Williamson County, uh, south of Franklin, Tennessee, on a farm, uh, about a five hundred and thirty acre farm. Wow, and lived uh, lived there until I was about thirteen years old.
0: Wow, so being on the farm, were you always outdoors and like were was it a cow, cattle farm? Did you have animals?
1: My dad was a farm manager, and they had cattle. you know, they grew tobacco. You know all the things those sorts of things he managed all that and uh, i got to play on the farm you know in the barns and in the creeks and in the woods and uh it was you know it was you know at the time i didn't realize it was something special but it was you know years later that you know that those formative years that uh created the path that i'm finally on now
0: yeah so you got to grow up as a farm kid that's really fun so where, where did life lead you after high school?
1: Well, you know, I, I spent uh, about a year and a half in college, and uh, school and I never did get along. And, uh, you know, formal education, it was just like, I, you know, I learned differently. I don't know if I had a, some kind of learning disorder or whatever, but uh, the traditional classroom did not suit me. And so, uh after about a year and a half, I went into the garden center business and uh my dad was uh, already uh kind of in that business and uh he was a partner in in a business a uh, a garden center business he said well he said come on he he referred to me as boy." he said, "Come on boy, and join us and uh and i you know I didn't have an alternate plan, so <laughs> I had to come up with something so I went into the garden center business. Oh,
0: wow. I think with education, so many people, we get trapped into this idea because we're in it for so long, from like five years to 18 years of this traditional way of education. And it's not suitable for everybody. And there's different ways to gain knowledge than sitting in a classroom that's not a fit for you. Um, So I love that you figured that out.
1: Well, you know, when I when I was growing up, if you didn't fit into a certain box, you didn't exist. You know, you weren't on the radar. You know, if you didn't, you know, if you didn't, if you're a guy and you didn't play sports and, uh, you know, and do all, all those kind of things, you know, then just like, what good were you? Right. <laughs> what use were you?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, you know, now, you know, both of my daughters are now, you know, young ladies, you know, went to Montessori school and it and if i always think now if i'd have had that kind of uh schooling you know that kind of you know learning i would have probably learned a lot more or learned you know how to work around some of that but uh yeah lots of new options now for sure Yeah,
0: absolutely so you get into the garden center business like where did you begin with your experience and, and like how how was that thrown at you
1: well, you know, again, I, the time I, I got into the business, I could care less about plants. It was just just a job. And then um, after some years into it, uh, my dad and I got the opportunity to open our own garden center, more and more garden center in 1980 in Nashville. And uh, so, you know, at the time my dad was 60 years old. He gambled his life savings on this venture, this new venture. And uh, my, my mom came along, you know, soon after we opened the business as a bookkeeper. And uh, so, you know, at that time too, I wasn't particularly excited about plants, but it was, at least it was an opportunity to to, to learn about plants and to, to kind of establish myself, you know, at the time. And uh, it really wasn't until probably about seven or eight years, six, six to seven years probably In the business where you know i was really going through burnout we were you know i was working 70 80 hours a week uh it was just you know we would get trailer truck loads of plants or mulch and we'd have to hand unload all that and i mean there was no free time i actually lived in a little efficiency apartment in the in the garden center business and uh you know if i had a bill to pay you know they took mom and dad took it out of their savings to pay it you know it was like It was that lean. But uh, to kind of de-stress, to find a way around working all those hours, I uh, kind of rekindled an old interest I had in photography. I've been photographing since I was probably 19 or 20 years old. And so I took my camera and would just, every chance I could just escape early in the morning or after work, I'd head to the woods and uh, would spend time in the woods, just kind of a way to de-stress and just to, enjoy what was around me.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And is that where you started to kind of like hone your craft? Like, were you taking any classes in photography? Like, how did you learn that skill?
1: Uh, self-taught, basically. Back then, there just weren't really any avenues to really learn unless you could apprentice under somebody. So, all mine was just, you know, self-taught. You know, at the time, oh gosh, maybe in the at some point there were a, a workshop or two out there that you could go if you could sign up for something, but mostly it was just reading books and just, you know, photographing. And of course it was all film then. And I, I tell people I, I, I was able to improve by uh, having a trash can next to me. So when I was taking photos, you know, I would just, you know, bad photo, bad photo, bad photo. And you just keep doing that until you, you kind of learn it. Wow. And, uh, and it, was, and it was during all that process that, that I, in my hikes in the woods, I started turning my interest toward like, well, you know, I'm in the garden center business, but I don't know what these trees are, and I don't know what that shrub is, I don't know what that wildflower is. I was like, what's wrong, you know, what's wrong with this picture, you know? So, so I started really studying and like just taking pictures of some of the wildflowers I was seeing and just just really turning on the radar and trying to notice what was around me. And and so, uh, and then I started researching a lot about uh, chemicals that were sold in garden centers. And back in the 80s, I mean, the chemicals in, that were sold were horribly toxic. You know, the fungicides and the herbicides, all those different things were horribly toxic. And then I started thinking about, well, you know, we have Japanese boxwoods and Korean lilac, and I'm like, why are we carrying all these plants that are not from around here? What's what's wrong with this picture? So it was this synergy of like learning, starting to learn a little bit about what I was seeing on my hikes and researching the, the chemicals. It's like, you know, I don't want to be around this. And I, I wanted to find a new way to garden if I could. And it was at that time, really, that I that, uh, uh, got married and, we built a house in the woods and I thought, you know, I have an opportunity now to do something different. I didn't know exactly what that was, but I knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't want Japanese boxwoods, Korean lilac. I didn't want to use any chemicals. So I just started uh, experimenting. Uh, I'd started developing some interest with some of the customers that came in that had wildflower gardens and they would share a few of their plants and I would plant them in the garden and I would I observe them over time and I just kept slowly adding as I could find plant material and it wasn't often that you could find it it there weren't really many commercial growers that were growing those kinds of things so that's where it really started the seed kind of for uh, the the new life that I eventually uh, was lucky enough to fall into.
0: Wow that's amazing and during this time when you're working so much and taking your hikes how did you end up meeting your wife?
1: Uh, she actually came into the garden center one day <laughs> Nice. and, uh, she, uh, she came into the garden center and, you know, she would, you know, my mom might, you know, wait on her when she came in or my dad and, you know, and, uh, uh one, one day, you know, she'd come in regularly. And at one point, uh, you know, she was getting ready to drive out and my dad pointed to me like, Hey, I think that, I think that guy wants to talk to you. <laughs> so I stopped her car as she was driving out. And uh, I kind of leaned into the car and I saw she had some running shoes in the in the back seat of her car. And I said, you a runner? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I run. And I said, well, me too. So we started talking about running. And well, uh, some months later, uh, our first date was an 11.1 mile run in the park. Oh, so that was our first date.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. That's fantastic.
1: And that was really the only opportunity I, that I could have met anybody anyway, because I was always at the garden center. Right, right. So uh, she came, she came to me, and it and it, and it worked out. The so.
0: universe aligned, so it would it would make it happen. I love it.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you're
0: working at the garden center. You're taking these photos. Like, how did you start using your photography in like in conjunction with your work?
1: Uh, Yes, uh, but not initially. Initially again I got so interested in just the photography again by hiking that uh, I got really into nature photography and uh, so in 1988 I went to the Crested Butte, Colorado Nature Photography Workshop where all all my heroes, all my mentors were teaching this weekend-long class in the mountains of Colorado and it was one summer and I went out there and of course You know, what people don't realize, you know, the summer out there is really their spring when all the wildflowers are blooming. Well, I hadn't seen really many wildflowers blooming when I was in the garden center business because that was in the spring when when I couldn't leave. So it was kind of the heyday of the coffee table books and, you know, there were a handful of uh, photographers that traveled the country and would photograph with these large format cameras and just... You know, they'd they'd stay on the road maybe six to nine months of the year photographing. So I would got really into photography in a very, very serious and deep manner and actually befriended uh, one of the instructors, Will Clay, who today, uh, he is like my best friend.
0: Nice.
1: And uh, every year, every summer, uh, he'd say, pick a place out west and fly out, and I'll pick you up, and we'll spend a week or 10 days photographing. Wow. So I did that for years. So the chance to photograph with your mentor and uh, and you know hang around him and learn from him and and just be out in the wilderness together with somebody that really understood it and appreciated it was kind of magical. Well, knowing that I would never be able to compete with somebody like that if I ever decided to do something like that full time, you know, I, I knew that that wasn't going to happen as long as I had the garden center. So what I started doing. You know, I'd take shorter trips, more like to the Smoky Mountains or even in a local park, but then I started, you know, focusing my camera on my own garden, which at the time I was just filling full of native plants and and learning about native plants and photography kind of at the same time, and I, you know, I really wanted to just keep photographing because that's how you improve, so I could literally, literally walk out into my, what I call my outdoor studio and photograph plants, and so... Um, that's what really kind of started the photographing plants part and the thing that really uh... was the real life-changing moment for me is one day after the garden was really looking good after about seven years of growing uh... native plants and wildflowers i took a photo of the garden in its peak and had a large you know like sixteen by twenty uh... print made and i put it behind the cash register at the garden center and uh... just you know show people you know what i was doing and uh... Customers would come in and they would point and go, where is that in the Smoky Mountains? I said, no, it's in my garden. And they're like, there's no way that's in your garden. I said, yeah, it's in my garden. <laughs> and so uh, so that kind of started it. And then people said, well, I want to see your garden. So I started inviting customers up and to show the garden and realized that there was some excitement being generated there. And I finally, you know, said, I think this is a thing. So I ended up sending photographs of it to Fine Gardening magazine in Connecticut, and uh, they really liked what, what they saw. And they soon sent an editor down to interview me about my garden and ask if I would photograph my garden for them and write an article about it. Wow! So that's what started my career really in uh, in garden photography.
0: That's amazing. We are going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll have more from our guest Paul as he talks about the request to photograph his garden turned into an unexpected freelance photography opportunity. Are you utilizing your email list? Do you know that with the right message you can convert sales and grow your business with an effective email messaging system? If you would like to know how to grow your business, build a connection with your clients, Please go to girlbosscopywriter.com to set up a 30-minute free consultation and find out how Girl Boss Copywriter can enhance your business. The goal for any business is to grow and reach a new level. Get there faster by being an authority in your industry with a video docu-series. Using video, you can showcase you, your business, your staff, products, services, and your why. Building relationships is key, and a high-quality video can give existing and potential clients a way to get to know you. It is also a way for you to build a connection that results in increased sales. Utilizing video can help customers get to know you on a deeper level, which builds that relationship that makes people want to support you and your business. If you would like to know more about how you can enhance your business with video, contact girlbossproductions.com today. Welcome back to Journey to the Rise. We continue our conversation with Paul, and he talks about how he balanced his time between working a full-time career at the garden center and a full-time photography business. And from there, where did things lead for you with that kind of opportunity? Because you're still working at the garden center.
1: Well, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah I did have my day job uh the the cool thing about it was they asked me at that point after the article if i would start photographing for them as a freelance photographer and i went heck yes yeah. so i started doing assignments you know and i could take you know at that point the garden center was going you know uh well enough that i could take a day or two off and and travel you know somewhere to to photograph an assignment for them. So I would do assignments and, and often they would just contact me and say, Hey, do you have a photograph of a particular wildflower or plant? And at that time I was transitioning over to digital. And if I didn't have it on film, I would go, Hmm, I could go out into my garden and photograph it and send it to them just, you know, almost instantly. Or I knew, I knew where I could photograph that either in a botanical garden or a, a client's garden. So, That really started all that, and then I started a stock photography business, you know, selling to calendar companies, Uh, eventually uh, ended up uh, with my photographs with uh, Getty Images, uh, and they were marketing my photographs worldwide, so that was a lot of fun. So uh, that was a a period there where I was doing lots of stuff for magazines and, and book publishers and calendar companies.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Did you ever have an experience when you were out photographing someone's garden and, and maybe the journalist was there to write the article and, and came across a plant that nobody knew what it was?
1: Um, uh, quite often, actually. Really? <laughs> I used to photograph for land, I, I would photograph sometimes even for landscape architects. And, uh, and what was great about that, because uh, it was great, you know. I loved great architecture, really, you know, fine design, as well as plants. And, uh, you know, I'd be in a client's garden, and they, you know, they would ask me with something, you know, what what is that? And although my, you know, true love is with native plants, you know, being in the garden center business, we sold everything from geraniums to marigolds to, you know, every kind of exotic tree you can imagine. So, uh, I mean, even to this day, you know, I'll have people, you know, send me a text, saying, hey, Paul, what's this, you know? And it can be moss or it could be a tree or a shrub. And that's actually one of my favorite little games to play or uh, things that challenge me to keep keep uh, what I call the keep the chops sharp. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's pretty fun. I, I love that. That had to be a fun experience to be able to kind of solve that mystery for people and, and educate them on what they had in their own garden.
1: Well, you, you get to see a lot of gardens and see some things that you know, might not orderly you know, ordinarily see, and uh, and again, although you know, my first love is native plants. When I started photographing other types of gardens, it's kind of I gave a great example. Might be like, oh, maybe maybe you love a particular meal, but you can't eat that meal all the time, and you want a little variety. So I started, you know, photographing things I would never grow myself, but it was still fun to shoot because you would see cool plants and some neat architectural elements or some cool garden statuary or, you know, some features that, oh yeah, I can, see, I can, I can enjoy that. I could dig that. I could that could happen in my garden. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, uh,
1: again, just to, just to keep photographing, just to keep practicing and practicing and practicing.
0: That's awesome. So during this time when you're go you're able to get a couple days off, you're still working at the garden center. Like now your hours have increased like what kind of what kind of weeks are you facing during this time because it sounds exciting but it also sounds exhausting
1: <laughs> well you know i was able to you know the more the business got you know going along i was able to take a little more time and not have to worry if, you know we had more staff and and that kind of thing so i would look for any opportunity i could to get to get away from the garden center
0: that's so, awesome. you
1: know, that's, that's kind of the evolution of that.
0: Yeah. And you have this amazing wife. I'm imagining she's being supportive and encouraging during this time.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, some 10 years ago or so now, I don't remember exactly how many years ago I sold my garden center business to my nephew and uh, you know, you know i i remember the day exactly the circumstance you know every summer would you know come along and you know you'd be exhausted from spring and you go i can't you know i can't do this anymore i'm burned out you know and and then you'd take a break in the summer and fall would come along and you'd feel a little rejuvenated and then you'd go right back into spring again and you go oh god <laughs> now, here i am you know doing it all over again but but one summer you know 10 years ago or so i looked at looked at Nancy, and I said, I can't do this anymore. And she'd heard me say that in prior seasons, and she kind of said, yeah, yeah, that's tough. You know, She kind of nodded and acknowledged. And I said, no, you didn't hear me. I said, I can't do this anymore. I am done. I am fried. And she goes, okay, let's figure out what we're going to do. Wow. So, again, I ended up selling the business to my nephew, and she was totally supportive. And so at that point, it was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew what I didn't want to do anymore. So what I could do then was, was see if I could make some kind of career out of the photography. So I jumped headlong into photography full time.
0: That's amazing. And so you're, you're selling the the garden center, you're starting a new business. There's a lot of moving parts going on. You have your, were your girls still at home? Like how did you manage all, all your time?
1: Well, back in the early days, you know, even before I sold the garden center business, you know, I, you know, it it was extremely difficult because they, you know, I used to tell people that I I did floodlight landscaping. I would uh, get up, you know, way early, you know, four or five in the morning, go turn the floodlights on go outside into the garden and plant or do things and, you know, have my quiet time. I had to have some, you know, peace and quiet and so it was, it was very difficult juggling all of those things and and i don't think i juggled them that well <laughs> but you know you just mom, sometimes momentum in life carries you along and you know i never did really in all the years adapt to the the stress and and the pace of the garden center business you were either 100 percent full-on or you were like 100 percent, you know turned off and uh, I'm a more of a methodical in how I work. And I like to think about what I'm doing and be more intentional. And, and, and in that environment, I was just more reactive. And I just felt like it was just robbing my soul. It was just taking everything that I had that I valued and, uh, and just, just tossing it out the window.
0: Yeah, and so many people find themselves in that almost cornered. And they're in that position where they're in something that is draining them. And it has that kind of pace and it's exhausting. And I am so grateful that you have a supportive wife who said, okay, let's find a way. And you dove into photography and what did that transition look like? Like, were you pitching like publications? Were they finding you? How, how did you find your, your gigs?
1: Well, you know, first of all just mentally going from you know being around people and talking you know all day long for you know eight or ten hours a day six seven days a week you know I went to a totally quiet environment and I literally had to do a mind reset I mean just I was so used to that stimulation that I had to like deep it took me really a year or two just to deprogram from 35 years in the garden center business I had to find this this new space that I could begin from that and uh, so you know it a lot of self-reflection looking at you know all of that kind of stuff that was deep inside uh, uh, so you know from that point after I kind of got my bearings then I I said okay well I've got con- connections with so-and-so and so-and-so so I have to reach out to the different publications, and again, started really actively marketing my photos and, you know, joined uh, different photography organizations, and, and then I, you know, I started uh, photographing all the uh, uh, porch projects my from my wife's company, the porch company, I started photographing all their projects, and, uh, you know, that, that was great, great for her, and, you know, great for me too, again, just to stay in practice, and, you know, I would meet, you know, clients, you know, kind of indirectly through all of that, but. But, you know, just actively uh, marketing my own photos, uh, you know, was a big deal. And, get, and uh, getting signed up with a stock photography agency uh, was, uh, was a big help as well.
0: Wow. And with your garden knowledge that led to your successful career for you as a garden and landscape photographer, are there any photo shoots with a, a publication that kind of stands out to you?
1: Oh, there's just sometimes a lot of funny things that happened or crazy things. Uh, one of the wildest ones, years ago, kind of before there were cell phones, I was doing this photo shoot for Fine Gardening Magazine in Alabama. And it was at this church. Uh, and this church had these really extensive gardens. It was really a beautiful place. And so I went the day before, you know, I you know, drove down. And the day before, someone took me around the garden and showed me everything. And said, well, yeah, you can come back tomorrow morning. You'll have the whole place to yourself. So the the next morning, I get up there, you know, first light, and I've got my camera, I'm walking around with my tripod, and I set up on the first scene, the light's great, it's just wonderful, it's just me in the garden. And I, I set up, and all of a sudden I hear this, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, that's an irrigation system. No. So I start seeing this irrigation thing going on. I said, well, I'm thinking, this is a big place, no problem. Grab my tripod, go to another area, set up. Start the photograph, and all of a sudden, tch, 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 oh, <laughs> the no. irrigation system goes off again. So I did the entire photo shoot outrunning the irrigation system.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: I mean, it was, you know, wasn't funny at the time, but, right. I mean, it was like I had that I had no recourse. I couldn't reach anybody on the phone, and I didn't want to turn the irrigation system off. So I was just outrunning the, the, the sprinkler heads the entire time.
0: But you got the shots.
1: And other times, you know, yeah, that's right. And I actually ended up making a list that was almost a, a fun a funny list of the things that can happen to you while a photo shoot, or just things to look out for. You know, burned out bulbs, or you're photographing and the dog gets out and you know tries to attack you. Uh, I mean, just a myriad of things, you know, that can go wrong. Or you set the alarm system off by accident, or they forgot you were coming and the place is dis- disaster. I mean, I've had all those things happen to me. And uh, I actually, on a real important shoot, I would send this list out. These are the things that that you can do to help me make this a successful photo shoot.
0: (laughs) That's wonderful. (laughs) Now, I recall there was a workshop that you attended, and the instructor was supposed to be, like, this expert on, like, plants and, like, different things, and... I believe there's another attendee, and he and he was like asking him about this, and he was like turning it over to you to answer these questions. Do you remember this workshop that I'm referencing?
1: Yeah, I'm surprised you remember that. That's it was just kind of a funny moment. It was a uh, Arizona highways workshop, and my best friend Will Clay, who's actually used to uh, was a professor at uh, uh, of botany. <laughs> At the uh, University of Arizona, and he uh, he they, they asked him a plant question, and he he looked at me and he goes, "Paul, you know, ask him. He's he's the plant expert." <laughs> so I just thought it was funny, you know. Here, here's the botanist guy, and I, and I thought, you know, you know, he could answer it, but I ended up answering it for her. So it was just kind of a funny moment.
0: That's wonderful. I love it. And after years of photography, it seems the woods has come calling to you and it's your interest and knowledge of moss has become more of a focus.
1: Yes, it has. And, and quite by accident, uh, about five years ago, I'll kind of preface it with this, about five years ago, I took a, a a personal commitment to go as deep as I could into the things I love related to nature, to really take it next level. So, I, I began this uh, reading like crazy, uh, you know, reading book after book after book, uh, doing lots of research, talking to people throughout the industry, and, and uh, you know, really trying to just deepen my, my, my love and knowledge of plants, and then, um, and then at one point, you know, I was kind of evaluating my garden at home, and it was basically all native plants, just a few odds and ends that weren't. And I had this grass lawn and this grass lawn was requiring more maintenance than anything else I was doing. And I'm like, you know, even though I was using organic, you know, fertilizers on, I said, there's just gotta be a better way. So, you know, one fall, which is the time that you would normally sow new grass seed, you know, I had this one area in the, in the grass lawn. I said, you know, I'm not going to sow any grass seed and most of the area of the grass was dead or dying anyway. So I just, so I'm not going to do anything, which is hard for a gardener to do.
0: <laughs> I bet.
1: <laughs> you know, we want to manipulate everything. So I decided to do nothing other than I did notice in this one area there was a patch of moss. And I said, well, I wonder what happened if I just let that moss grow. And uh, so what I did that, that winter is I kept all that debris off of it and pulled up what little dead and dying grass that was in there. And so I just, I just observed I watched, and then by that spring, I noticed that this green haze had formed over where this bare soil was. There wasn't going on, but I knew something was changing and happening. and this original patch of moss had gotten bigger. And by you know, the next year it was really starting to fill in, and by the following year, it was all moss. Wow, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is cool. And so I, I posted some photos on House Magazine and started sharing some photos of that and then eventually converted the rest of my lawn over to moth. And the next thing I know, it's created this, this craze. The people are just like loving it. And uh, Garden Design Magazine came out and ended up doing a feature on it. Southern Living Magazine came out and did a feature on it. Uh, Wall Street Journal interviewed me two years ago about it and it used one of my photographs and uh, in in included in the interview. And now I lecture about moss and <laughs> people want to know all about it. And of course, I can I can guarantee you I can bring it up in just about any conversation. I love it. I love it. So, um, Moss is my, you know, I tell people I'm a moss evangelist now.
0: So. <laughs> and I believe, if I remember correctly, there is a particular coffee shop that when you walk in, there's chants of moss man, moss man, moss man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, frothy monkey are in town. I got lots of friends over there. And a lot of times I'll wear my, my t-shirt, uh, you know, it says moss man or, oh, can you see <gasps> this? Yes. I love the moss movement. The moss movement. It's slow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fantastic, and your your workshops. So I've had a
1: lot of fun with it.
0: Yes, and your workshops have they sell out. And with you speaking about moss, where do you think this interest has come from? With something that is so often overlooked, but yet clearly it's very much loved.
1: Well, I think a lot of it is moss really kind of has kind of a storybook feel kind of an enchantment related to it. You know, people have some childhood memory of, you know, playing in with moss or seeing some fairy tale, you know, with moss as a feature or someone might remember a particular hiking trail. They're out hiking and they see moss-covered boulders and they, they just like the idea of it. And then uh, they never thought that it could actually be something practical that they could, uh, you know, having their own garden or have a moss garden or just to understand its important role in nature. I mean, it's it's vital, uh, its role in nature. So I think people, and for me, it's this uh, it's metaphor for, you know, moss is slow. But there's this patience, there's this steadiness and, and enduring quality to moss that, that really draws me to it. And once you really start to study it, you realize how many different varieties they are and really, Again, how important they are in nature
0: Wow, I didn't even think about there being different varieties to moss. I just thought there was moss
1: Oh just only only twenty two thousand worldwide
0: Holy cow that's amazing
1: <laughs> It grows on every grows on every continent and and uh they've even found to show you how durable moss is you know it's you know 250 300 million years old it was the first land plant the first migrated from this primordial soup onto land you know some many millions of years ago but uh it's uh you know it's endured every epoch you know through history so you can imagine what it's been through right. to survive so it's Pretty cool stuff.
0: That is amazing, and I was going to ask about its durability. Is this something that we can have in our yards? Can we play on it? Can we do yoga on it? Is it easily damaged? Like,
1: it's uh, I I tell people you can do everything. You can't roughhouse on it. You know, you can walk on it, and it's actually fine, and and the moss likes it. But you can't, you can't, you know, play football on it. It just, and you know, if an animal gets in it or whatever, and just you know, disturbs a little bit of, you can just flip the moss back over, it's pretty easy to, uh, to repair. Wow. And, and I create, I have a little, what I call my little moss nursery, in case I get a little bit of damage, I just go over there and take a patch of the moss and just put it right back on. I
0: love it. And have you noticed an increased draw to nature and gardens? Because it seems like it's becoming more prevalent. And do you think that might be because of late 2020, because we were forced to slow down? you know, do you see, like, this draw to being connected to earth? Like?
1: I think all of that, um, even before, you know, the pandemic, there was, there's been movements throughout the years of just really more sustainable gardening. You know, it just, it, it, you know, typical gardens just take so much water and fertilizer and, and and you know, just, and, and the lawnmower, you know, and the Pollution created from all of that. So, I think there's been that interest over time with the pandemic. You know, people were kind of like forced into, you know, going out into nature uh, because just, you know, to find some place to keep from going stir crazy from being inside all the time. Right, right. You know, and I, you know, I was certainly blessed in that, you know, we live in the woods and I have access to the woods. So, you know, I think I fared better than a lot of people because it's always been, you know, my my source of sustenance, and peace, and um, so I think people are definitely caused them to turn inward and outward to quieter places, that you know, more healing type places. So, you know, hopefully the the many people that that went to nature will have learned from that and will want to not just go back to their old lifestyles again to, to, to love it and to, to spend more time in it.
0: Right. And it seems like those who had to return to that hustle lifestyle they were living, they quickly identified, this is not a fit for me. And they, at least what I've noticed in like social media posts and the news, like there's been this shift to the outdoors and connecting with the earth. Um, are you getting comments like that in your workshops that you're teaching?
1: Well, I think people are, are starved for a different kind of experience, whether it be work or lifestyle or whatever. And, uh, you know, I I was fortunate to almost like (laughs) stumble, stumbled into mine. And, uh, but you know, you you can just tell them conversations that people want to know. You know, like, well, you know, kind of questions you're asking. You know, well, you know, to me it's 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 beneficial from a from a an aesthetic level, but it's also a, a deeply spiritual, uh, fulfilling thing for me to spend time in nature. You know, and I'm not the only one. You know, a lot of great writers have written about it and and uh, inspired other people to to get out into the woods and. You know, even just the the biochemical aerosols that trees emit are beneficial. They've known that through you know wood air bathing and shinrin yoku, just breathing in those 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 beneficial compounds just make us physically and mentally in a lot better condition.
0: Yeah, and I think when people find you know, the word you use was spiritual, and that's so accurate because they I, I think when people get their hands in the dirt they touch a tree like hug the tree is a thing and I think there's a reason why it's you know it's, it's that connection and there's something very peaceful and calming that you can't really find anywhere else
1: that's right I 100% agree just uh just being out in it as much as you can and and learning to develop an eye and appreciation for even the most subtle thing, whether it be moss or a tiny wildflower or whatever it is to to tune in to those rhythms is, is so beneficial on so many levels. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And if someone's wondering, like, is moss a fit for them or their yard? Is there requirements that someone needs to consider if they're, if they want to be successful in growing moss?
1: Uh, Surely, um, you know, I tell people you're a candidate for moss if you can't grow grass because moss likes basically the opposite of what grass does. You know, grass, you know, needs lots of water, lots of fertilizer, lots of intervention with, you know, fungicides and herbicides and all of that. And, uh, you know, moss likes a little bit more shaded conditions generally, but that's not always the case. Compacted soil, maybe poor drainage, that kind of thing. And you're a candidate, I tell people, if you, if you already have some moss growing somewhere in your landscape, then you're probably a candidate to grow at least more moss. I think what the, the big mistake that a lot of people do when they see my moss lawn or hear about moss lawns, they want to just convert this huge area. And I encourage them to start with a small area, learn all the little particular, you know, start with a little, just a little, you know, small area with a bench or something. And and plant a small area to learn what the moss needs and what it, you know, what, what it requires and, and the maintenance involved, and that kind of thing. And then you can expand out from that. So those are the real considerations. That's
0: awesome. And I love that moss can grow in sun. I, I always thought it needed to be a very heavy, I guess because I've always seen it in the woods, I just associated that it needed to be a very shaded area.
1: Well, there's a type of moss called Hedwigia, had wiggy a moss that I've seen growing on a slate roof that's a 100 years old in full sun. Whoa. Now, it's really crazy because when it gets dry, it just shrivels up and looks like little wire brushes, but the, just the least bit of moisture, and it's just lush and green just almost instantly. Wow.
0: That's amazing. I need to look that up. That sounds fantastic. Now, if there's someone who's, like, struggling with they're new at gardens they're maybe they're struggling with their garden is there any kind of blanket advice you could share with someone out there who's new or just kind of stumbling to get started
1: just with a garden in yeah, general with a
0: garden in general
1: it's all about the soil you know you got you know there's mo- there's more more life below the s- soil than there is above so you want, you want all those good, healthy microbes and, and organics in the soil. So getting the soil rights, you know, the, you know, the, the main game. And picking the right plant for the right spot. You know, learn, you know, if you've got a wet area, there are plants that like those conditions. Uh, if it's a sunny area, you know, learn learn what those plants are. So, you know, I know the impulse in the spring when everybody's excited is just go get a plant and just stick it in the ground. Yeah. But you know, what does it need? You know The sun, the light, the soil, all those things. So uh, doing a little bit of research um, and not being completely overtaken by your garden enthusiasm in the spring, <laughs> uh, just to uh, be a little more thoughtful and to, again, so many things benefit from being planted in the fall or even in early winter because the root system of plants will actually in the middle Tennessee area will c- continue to grow all winter long because even the air temperature is cold, the soil will stay warm for much, much longer so you get that root activity. So if you plant a tree in the late fall or in the fall, by spring it's a little further along. So don't plant everything in the spring. Then it's, for, especially like trees and shrubs, some of those things that could be, be too late or require that you have to do a lot more watering and intervening through the season.
0: Wow. So I guess it comes back to slowing down and doing your research instead of rushing. Yes. Garden garden seems to be, the, right. the theme seems to be like slow and steady wins the race.
1: Right. And you don't want to, you don't want to treat your garden like your work. You don't want it to be like, you know, how many things can I get done, you know, in one weekend you know, be methodical and do, th- you know, like for my garden here, it's, it's a spring ephemeral garden. Most of it happens very early in the spring. So what I do is I get basically everything set in the fall. So when spring comes, I can just enjoy it for months before I have to do like weeding or doing anything like that. So timing it, timing is critical to, to take advantage of it, to not work yourself to death.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You don't enjoy it. Like you said, don't make it work. And you, you do garden. Do you still That's do right. some That's garden right. consulting? And if so, like, what is your process to work with someone in their outdoor space?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I don't do any design per se. And again, I'm not really doing this. You know, I'm retired now. I do it more for fun. Yeah, you know, I tell people that, you know, if it's not fun, I'd just rather be walking my dog in the park. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or playing in my own garden. So. But I, 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 I do enjoy when I've got time to do consultation and go to somebody. I love going to a, like a, a unique piece of property that's got a lot of plant diversity on it and do what I call walkthroughs where you just walk the property and identify stuff for them and say, oh, that's a special wildflower or that's a special tree and uh, teach them about what they have. And uh, if they have moss and they're interested in that, I can identify the moss and help them you know know more about that. Or even if a homeowner, you know, I can walk through and say, well, you know, that plant's diseased or, you know, I would use this kind of plant in that situation because the soil is wet. So I do that, uh, you know, when I have time and uh, on, on occasion.
0: Nice. And if there's someone out there who feels college is not a fit, you know, maybe they're not 100% in what they want to do or pursue, what advice would you have for them?
1: I think, you know, certainly I'm you know I'm one that would certainly say that that uh college was certainly overrated for me. And and then college now people are starting to look at that differently. It's like it's not for everybody. You know, find some interest you have and go deeply into that, you know. If you could mentor from from somebody or just, you know, I I just, I'm studying and reading all the time. I'm just excited about what I don't yet know and what I already know. So be a, be a lifelong student and just learn everything you can. Take classes, read books, take, I mean, there's so many workshops and opportunities to, to learn and just find that thing that you love. And whether it's, you know, a trade school or whatever, just take the deep dive and the commitment, put the, put the time in to, to learn it. And And enjoy the process, because if you don't enjoy the process, you're not going to care about the end result. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Agreed. And what are your goals for this upcoming year?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I'm doing some what we call editing in the garden. You know, some plants that have been in for, you know, 25 or 30 years have gotten overgrown. So I'm, I'm moving some things around. You know, every year you lose some amount of plants due to you know, field mice, voles, or, you know, some other animal. So I'm always kind of adding to and tweaking. I've got a garden tour here in April. Uh, I'm kind of getting ready for that. I've got some uh, workshops and some uh, nature hikes I'm leading this year. And so I'm pretty uh, filled up with doing those kind of fun things. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. And if someone wants to find out more about your upcoming workshops, your hikes, your, you know, how can they find you?
1: Oh gosh, the best place is really probably social media. I mean, I've got two websites. Um uh, jpaulmorephoto.com and mossmanconsulting.com. Nice. But uh, social media is probably, you know, you know probably the best place to find me on Instagram at jpaulmorephoto. Um You know those. That's you know that's where I post most of what's going on.
0: Yeah, you're a very fun follow on Instagram. Your photos are very inspiring, and if you have any kind of interest or passion for outdoors, that's where you want to be because you share some amazing images.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. I know you're very very busy, and it's just such an honor to have some of your time to just share your knowledge with everybody it's such a you're such a delight
1: well thank you so much i just hope that i've given somebody a spark to get out there and and enjoy it and appreciate it and learn more about it
0: yeah absolutely that's it with paul moore next week we talk with bren McLean, an author with an award-winning book one good mama bone she talks about how inspiration can be found in the most unexpected places
1: Five in the morning, that, that next morning, those woeful, guttural sounds, Lucretia, woke me up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, I get dressed. I go out to the pasture. I see the mama cows huddled at this corner fence calling for their babies. The babies doing the same. And, and I just got to say, I just had this like electric current go through my body. And I knew instantly in front of me was the missing piece in my motherhood story. Here's what I needed. I needed these cows. I needed their stories.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to Journey to the Rise. Please do follow us on your podcast app so you have the latest episode downloaded. If you want to follow us on Instagram, our account is at Journey to the Rise Podcast. This episode is research produced and edited by Girl Boss Productions. And please remember to be kind to yourself. When you are kind to you, it is easier to be kind to others. I'm Lucretia, and you've been listening to Journey to the Rise.